This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. They teach you not to substitute words for action, not to seek the path of comfort, but to face the stress and spur of difficulty and challenge. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the Ironclad Podcast. Today we're super excited. Um, we have Patrick from Innovative here. Uh, Innovative is such an awesome brand. We've we've had our eyes on them for a long time and and, and been using their products. Truly a game changer in the industry. Um, and it's such a unique product of something that has been the same for so long. So we're super excited to dig in and talk to Patrick and hear a little bit about his story. Patrick, welcome. Thank you. And uh, Jeremy, thanks for having me, of course. Uh, yes, my name is Pat. You can call me Pat, I suppose, is probably the best. Okay, and cool. um, I am the founder and CEO of Innovative. That's great, man. Well, well, we appreciate you coming on the podcast. I know uh, for me, Innovative has been on my radar, and I'm sure you've been. it's been in the works much longer. Um, but over the past three years, I've seen you guys just ignite the industry and just change the game. Can you tell us a little bit about the brand and, and how it started? Yeah, of course. So, so it's kind of, I mean, I'll do a shorter version of it, but uh, essentially Innovative was kind of conceived back in 2010. I was, I had another company called Ambient Digital, which was a digital capture service for photographers who were transitioning from the film world to the digital world. And they needed to have some of that um, hands-on uh, technical know-how of somebody that's always that was already working in that business. Um, and so what we would do is we would provide the technicians. They would go out on set, and with a full computer system and uh, you know monitors, everything that you see today for the most part, um, kind of jerry-rigged to a magliner, and then uh, they would basically manage all the content that was being created throughout that day. And then from that was was how we really got innovative going because there wasn't a really a good system out there, a good cart system um, for holding computers and monitors and cameras at the same time. Um, so at that point, that's when innovative, the whole idea of it was conceived to build a better product. Um, and that was in 2000, that was in 2010. I mean, it had been talked about for a long time before that, I suppose, but and then in 2011, I met up with a guy named Brent Foes, who is this legendary mountain bike builder. And um, was, that's a whole other story. But I, I met up with Brent and I said, Brent, I have this, I have this cart that I want to design. I have all this stuff right here. This is the key features it needs to do. And, you know, you're the guy. You're, you're a genius when it comes to fabrication. Do you want to help me out? And so... Uh, without really having to really convince him too much, he was, he was all in. So that was in 2011. We started building kind of carts for my own business. And from the reaction of people on set that, that were really kind of taken aback by the, the quality of this product, which at the time was just absolutely crazy, not even close to what we built today. But it was, I think, 
you know, significantly better than what was uh, available in the market. So, and, and at that time, we kind of started creating and, and taking this, these first prototypes and getting it out there on set, getting more feedback from people, and then kind of fine-tuning it for our launch at NAB in 2011. So, so it all kind of happened very quickly, I would say, over a period of maybe a year, maybe 10 months even. And, uh, and then we just, we went to NAB kind of already like a, like a, almost like a learning experience to see really what the market was going to, to do or how they were going to react, which was, you know, at NAB, we got fantastic reactions. Yeah. I so, think, I think it garners that because it is such an overlooked item on set and it's almost reinventing the wheel with it. You know, I mean, it's, it's something that. It's always, you know, it, you know when you have a crappy cart, you know when you have a crappy one, but it, you almost uh, don't realize the capabilities that you could have inside of them or everybody has their own rig. And um, it's just been, I, I can't tell you how much of a game changer it's been for us to, to use something that's so quality and has so much innovation tied into it and, and, and modulization, I guess you could call it. Uh, yeah, what, what, yeah. Did you, did you anticipate the, the reaction the way it was going to be or, or what were some of your concerns going into something that, that kind of has been the same for, for, for so long? That's a great question. I, I didn't really, I wasn't really too concerned about, um, I knew that people were going to like it just because it was different. And because, um, like you said, that that kind of market for carts was has been stagnant really for like thirty years. You know, it was it been kind of there is a standardized magliner for sure, and by all means, it's a fantastic product. But when when the film generation kind of transitioned into this digital era, when you know no longer were you just putting cases on a cart, you were putting a computer that was worth a half a million dollars. You know. Um, there was only there's this difference, this thing that was happening where, you know, no longer were these these older systems working, and we had to build these new ones. So I kind of figured that, you know, again, I wasn't really too concerned about what people were going to, um, if they were going to like it or not. I kind of knew they were going to like it, but and I knew and my ultimate goal, of course, was to create a system that was standardized, because as we all know, when you travel from one place to the next. You're never going to get like a like if you ask for a cart from a production company, you don't know what you're going to get. You might get a magnet, you might get a Rubbermaid, you might get a, a picnic table, right? So, so the the ultimate goal I think in the beginning for me was to have a standardized system so that if I was in LA and I was working on a local job, that if I was flying to you know Virginia, I would have uh, I would have the same. Maybe it wasn't the same uh, model cart, but the same configuration, and I can mount the same monitors the same way. Because at the end of the day, efficiency is what's key. In anybody's, you know, in any technician's world, a, a camera assistant, a camera operator, consistency makes everything. So, I don't know if that answers the question. No, it does. <laughs> I it, hope that, it does. Yeah. Well, uh, you yeah. know, seeing uh, the writing on the wall and understanding the the market change, I think is huge. And and I feel like there's a lot of um, companies, there's a lot of brands, production houses, filmmakers that don't adapt and, and they get left behind a lot of times. So um, it always fires me up to, to see someone who's, who's thinking forward and, and, and pushing through. And um, I feel like, like I said before, and I, and, and I know you just, you said you launched, it was 11, right? 2011, 2012 yeah, yeah. in AB. I mean, when, when was that momentum shift? I mean, because I, 
and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, I, I just saw so much more content, I felt like, in the past three years and in, in, in the product just evolving and, and different things like that. Was there a break-in period or, 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 or catching your wind? Because, I mean, going into manufacturing, that's not an, an, an easy transition if, you're, if your background was filmmaking. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, so I'm sure you it. had some learning curves there. Did you have any, uh, any rocky roads out of the gate or anything? Yeah, and I'm definitely still learning. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, the manufacturing world is is just crazy. And and the I guess the biggest difference between manufacturing, or I would say the real world compared to the entertainment business, is that in the entertainment business you have people that um, they have responsibility, and your reputation is everything, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have to make sure that when you show up on set. Um, you're, you're coming clear with a clear head, you're, you're doing a great job, you're, you have a good personality. I mean, all these things kind of factor in. And because at the end of the day, you're your own boss. I mean, you're getting hired and fired after every project. So in the real world, you know, in the manufacturing world, I found immediately that there was no, um, like, you know, people weren't uh, really too concerned about like time. It was like, yeah, here's here's a project I want you to do, kind of thing. And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I can get it to you next week. And then next week comes around, and it'd be like three weeks later, and they just there was no care about it. You know, there were so many other they they were never up against that before. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the biggest learning curve is is figuring out really and realistically how long it was going to take to make a product and how much time I had to factor in to make a product from the time of conception of the idea to actually producing an actual piece. And between 2011 and 13, you're right, in the last three years, last four years, maybe, well, last three years, you know, we have definitely um, grown significantly. And I would just say that, you know, the first two years, 2011 and 12, they were definitely rocky roads. I mean, even 13 was, was a really rocky period of my, of, you know, my life. Uh, dark times, as I would say. There was definitely some happy times in there. But um, the hardest, I think, was, you know, people at customers at NAB in 2011 were fired up and they wanted the product and they were already paying us for the product. And then a month after that, you know, Cinegear happens and we went to Cinegear and uh, same thing, you know, distributors from all over the world were, let's have meetings. Let's, we want to put an order in right now for however, however many units. And so at that point, you know, there was this this critical time of, you know, my history of the film business of knowing, you know, time is of the essence. And when people are ready and they need it, they literally, they need it. There's a project happening in the next 10 days, right? That's not going to change, but they still need the product. Um, But unfortunately, you know, I, I, I had a very um, smart partner. Uh, Brent Foes was a very genius designer, but you know, he's not, good in terms of production and his job at that time was producing the product my job was to sell the product and to create the ideas and so we are essentially giving false promises to about everybody that came in the door with money and and we said oh yeah you know we'll have it to you in four weeks and it would turn out to be six months later right Mm -hmm. uh which is (laughs) completely crazy um so during that time i was incredibly frustrated and I knew that the only option I had to, was to, to really take this on myself and, you know, hire the right key people to help me with it. But my partner at the time was not the guy, 
right? Right. So I went out and I started fishing around for money. I had used my entire life savings essentially to build the, the, the company at that time. And uh, I went out to, well, I actually, I got onto this, this uh, website called Gust, uh, G-U-S-T. I don't know if it's still around, but it's a, it was a really great platform for any entrepreneur um, because you basically build a profile, almost like a Facebook profile of your business. Yeah. And then you can essentially um, submit your profile to, you know, f- uh, angel investment groups all over the country. Uh, I think even all over the world. And so you kind of like submit it and then you just kind of wait. You know, maybe somebody's going to come back to you and say, hey, I really liked your idea. Let's, let's talk further. So I, I kind of did it on a whim and I was like, oh, let's just try this. You know, I, I'm at, and, uh, at the end of the road, you know, no bank is going to give me money. I don't have any collateral. Um, so, you know, this is my only option. So thankfully, the, the Pasadena Angels, which is a, a local investment group that's in Pasadena, they, uh, one of the gentlemen there uh, saw my, my, uh, my profile and, and, uh, and contacted me um, and said, hey, Pat, you know, we, we'd like to talk with you further about this. So nonetheless, I brought on two investors, uh, a very small amount of cash in the end of 2012, which pretty much got me out of my, my, um, my building in Pasadena. And I moved to the city of Irwindale at the end of 2012. And that's when I really kind of see the, the business really taking off. There was a lot more focus. I had a board of directors. Um, and now there is, of course, there's this, this pressure on me to perform, you know. Not only is it the customers paying me, but it's, it's these investors saying, you better make this happen. You say you're going to do this. I want to see it happen kind yeah. of thing, you know. So, so there's this immediate pressure, which I work very well under pressure, so I love it. I love having people, you know, expecting things. It's the carrot uh, just, in front it, of your face. Yeah, it's, it, it works well for me. Um, and, and then that's 2013, we got started. I hired, uh, I think I had at the time, maybe two part-time guys. I made them full-time and I hired another guy. So it was four of us in 2013. And we did that for about a year, maybe a little over a year. And you're doing, another- you're doing business communication. You're doing the sales, the books, you're doing the manufacturing, the shipping. Well, actually, yeah, in all of 2013 and part of 14, I was the only guy in the back building cars. So there was, there was another guy uh, who's still here, Mitch Evans. He, he, uh, he was probably my, I think he was my first employee. And he was doing all the purchasing of, you know, from the vendors, getting all the sheet metal in and right. getting all the, all the machine parts in. And then, uh, and then we would, of course, assemble it at our facility here in Owendale. Um, but I was doing all that. I was At that time, you know, the top and the bottom trays weren't pre-drilled. They didn't have any of the, the fabrication they have to they have today. So essentially, everything was hand built. I mean, taking a drill and you know it takes six seven hours to build one cart. Yeah. So I was back there sweating and you know being there till two three o'clock in the morning um, for really the first year and a half or so. And but you know I have to you know my the team is always I think. Any entrepreneur can never do anything themselves, right? I mean, it really takes a team of people, and you have to have the right people. So, of course, you go through people quite often because you're trying to find that right, the key person that knows yeah. how a small business works. You know, I'm sorry, you're going to have to do ten different things. You're not going to have one title. I'll give you a title if you want a title, but you're not going to do that, and that's it. You know, you do ten different things, and um, 
so, you know, you have to kind of, it's through trial and error that you get the right team, but without the team, you wouldn't be anywhere. I love you it, know? man. And, and you're speaking my language when you're saying that kind of thing. You know, I think, uh, a lot of people in our, in our industry, I feel like some get in their own way. Um, you know, I appreciate art and, and artistry and everything that comes with that. And, and ultimately that's what we all are, uh, people in our world. But I, sometimes I feel like some people are too much of an artist to be an entrepreneur and you have to realize those things. So, so hearing you talk like that, I love it. It gets me fired up. Um, yeah, I, I think <laughs> juggling that entrepreneurship, but still, um, using your, your craft and your art is it's, I, I think that people that can juggle those both are the ones that really fight through the fire and make it happen. Yeah, I agree. So, um, okay. So 2013, you, you, you have four folks, you're out there, you're, you're busting your butt every night, um, to where you are today. What, what how, how, how has the company grown in between there? How did you guys really penetrate the market? Because I, I mean, your, your brand is, is, is well known. And, and I know the, the product speaks for itself, but you, you've done initiatives to get yourself in front of the right folks and lined up with the right people, didn't you? Yeah, I think that, um, yeah, the brand is definitely, has a lot of strength behind it. And I owe a lot of that to, you know, my, my marketing guy at the time, uh, Vu Lee. Uh, he was my second or third employee. And um, he's a young guy, you know, and I think that's kind of critical in these days to have somebody that really understands social media and understands the um, that just the whole the whole world of social media, really. Right. And I mean, I'm not very old. I'm 36. But, you know, at the time, I mean, I don't I don't really understand the whole thing. At that time, I was just like yeah, Instagram and Facebook. Sure. But Vu really understood it. And he also understood the 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 strength of a brand and making sure that we don't fall off track and we kind of stick to to the really the 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 core of who we are and we always make sure that that's what we're what we're doing at the mm -hmm. end of the day we're we're sticking to um our ultimate goal of, of providing really good products and excellent excellent customer service right and um in 2013 it was basically um pretty much just making sure that if there were the top guys, and of course at Sinegar we garnered a lot of interest, right, from a lot of the the, the really top Steadicam operators and camera operators and DITs. Right. So we made sure that those guys we kept them happy. They were going to be pretty much our lifeblood to really get this thing off the ground, mm -hmm. and and make sure that if they're giving us feedback, we're taking every ounce of it, and we're making sure that whatever we do, we make them happy. So we. We do that in the very beginning. I think that's kind of how um, really we kind of got going was making sure that those guys that were asking for the product or giving it to them in a shorter amount of time than, you know, we're doing whatever we could to get it out the door faster and then making sure that we hit the, the key features that they wanted. Um, and from that, you know, you start seeing your product on blogs and, and forums and right. And then people start hearing about it. And I think there's a level of exclusivity with the product because it's not just available, right? You can't just call us and say, hey, I want a Scout 37. Can you ship it today, right? It's not stocked on the shelf. Right. There's a waiting period. And I think that plays into a little of the exclusivity of the brand. You know, and it's a really good product. It's, it's built well. Um, of course, our number one concern is that it's built well and, it's, and 
things break. They definitely break. It's, I mean, we're in the film business, right? I mean, we're not easy on our gear. And I think at the end of the day, as long as we, you know, make sure the customers are, are well taken care of, again, that, that embraces the brand and makes the brand stronger, you know? Yeah. So, and, and to that point, you know, as far as things breaking and, and, and quality gear, you know, we, 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 we were doing a shoot and we, my, uh, one of our guys, he, he dipped the, our red in the, we were, we were hanging out of a boat when the red was mounted on a movie and he dipped it in the water, uh, on accident. But if you're not pushing the limit, there's no point in having good gear. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and having gear that can push the limit with yourself and your team, that's what it's all about. And, and the cart is such a pivotal piece of gear. And I don't think people realize, like I said, until they have something that sucks, um, <laughs> how, how important it is, you know? And, and then when you, when you use one of your products, the versatility of it, I mean, I mean, literally you can, you can build anything out of it. I mean, can you, can you talk about kind of the, the thought process behind that and some of the needs you saw there and, and, and some of the innovation you've seen coming out of, uh, your users and, and, and the modularity of the product? Yeah, of course. I mean, um, I definitely had, I came into to building innovative with, with already a history of working on set. So I, I knew what, you know, for the most part, the, the core features of the product were going to have to be. Um, and again, the core accessories that were going to have to be designed. And I think that, um, for sure in this market, you know, we are a very customer driven market mm-hmm. uh, and, Meaning that, you know, things change pretty rapidly. And again, there's no standard workflow for anybody. You know, everybody has their own way of doing things, which can be frustrating for us um, because you can't make everybody happy. But at the same time, you want to kind of make somewhat generic pieces so that it kind of works for everything in some way or shape or form. Right. Um, But for sure, I mean, I mean, we get we get people, customers all the time who are who are coming back to us with feedback to make something better or create something that hasn't been created yet. And again, it, go, it all goes back to um, the team, right? And I, th- I think of the team as, of course, the people that work at Innovative, um, but also the customers because the customers are out there always providing us, you know, feedback on the product. We're, we're seeing them mount something differently and social media ties in directly into that because, Without Instagram and without Facebook, we wouldn't see real live photos of how things are set up on a day-to-day basis as much as we do now, right? Everybody's posting pictures of their carts. Everybody's posting pictures of their cameras. And you can just see about how, I mean, there's, there's literally endless configurations of how to do something. Yeah, and 90% of your content on your socials is, is customer-driven, isn't it? I mean, it, it's... For sure. And, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, when we were, when we were figuring out which one we wanted and which accessories, we just scrolled through and saw what people were building. I mean, it was, that's really what inspired us, you know, to, to, um, build our cart in the right way, you know, or, or the way we wanted it. We just looked at how other people were doing it. We took a little bit of the DIT with some of the Movie Mount stuff with all the other pieces. And we just kind of built it for our liking based on what your customers have done. So, I mean, I, I think it's yeah. awesome being able to see that stuff. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, I mean, even, even now, I mean, we're a small company. I don't have a, a dedicated conceptual artist or, um, I don't have a, a guy that's designing stuff 24 seven. Right. So it's, it's really, 
the core foundation of the company of the products were designed by me and my experience on set. So mm -hmm. that's of course going to be very uh, narrowed down to camera and DIT stuff, right? So if if there's a guy that's a movie operator, which I didn't do any movie stuff, um, uh, gimbal stuff, whatever you want to call it, steady cam operators, right. right? I didn't do any of that stuff. So so essentially, I'm just taking. Uh, feedback from the customers to build those products and we're oh, i think we're going to be like that for hopefully not too much longer i mean i always want to of course use the customer's feedback but i don't want to have to rely on the customers right and right now we rely on the customers to um really continue growing the accessory line and the carts because again my knowledge stops at you know camera and and, uh, and dit stuff yeah so are you are you see are you are you collaborating with with any other tech brands or or, or gear brands that kind of tell you what's on the forefront or are you guys uh, kind of just digging in and 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 figuring it out or, or how much of that is is a collaboration or do you see any of that in the future? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, we definitely try to get as much information as we can from you know collaborating with with vital partners. I would say. And trade shows are great for that because you become friends with everybody. Every manufacturer out there, essentially, you're going to see them. It's a reunion at every trade show. Mm -hmm. So um, I, that's really great because that's a key point to knowing what's happening in the, in the market and how it's changing and um, adapting and all that kind of stuff. But it's funny because, you, you know, I would say across the board, Everybody's had this. Every manufacturer's had the experience where they design a product, they think it's going to be amazing, and it fails. Mm -hmm. And again, it fails because um, it wasn't designed with a customer's feedback or the the customer saying how it should be, right? And I think that's always going to be vital is having the customer give you that um, the feedback into you know building a product. So even if there's collaborations with other companies. I think at the end of the day, you need a percentage of it always has to come from the real world. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. So. I think that's good, man. Um, you know, I, I was just, I was, as you were saying that I'm scrolling through some of your stuff on, on your, your user driven content. I mean, you know, even when you look at who's following you guys and obviously they're, they're, their knowledge of your brand and, and they're, they're mostly all users. I mean, literally, industry leaders, industry leading brands and production houses, uh, filmmakers alike. When did you, what was it? Did you have one of those times? I, I know when I saw one of our pieces on TV once, I was like, I think my dreams just came true. You know, I, I, you know, when you, when, when it comes to fruition, was there a point or is this still happening where you kind of saw it on a set or from a filmmaker you admire? Was there that point where you're like, this is happening. This is the real deal. Um, I never really thought about it like that. I mean, I, I, I like to think, I definitely get excited about seeing the products on set and people using it. Um, what makes me most excited is just knowing that people like the product and I know that by how many units we sell and, and you know, where we've gone or where we've came from and where we are today. Um, but I try not to get too over like concerned about like, uh, how my life has changed. Uh, I don't even know if my life has changed for the better, to be honest. I mean, yeah. I, I, I love doing what I do. Don't get me wrong. But, um, and I love seeing the cart, you know, I, it's been on a couple of movies now where it's, you know, they're, 
the people in the movie are using the product and that's all that that's been really cool to see that because i never thought my products would ever be on tv or in the movies right um so that that was really cool but you know again at the end of the day i just want to make sure that people who are using the product are using using the product the way it's supposed to be you know used and they're getting the most out of it and that's what makes me happy and that's where i think I think that's what the turning point for me was was probably in 2014 when I really started seeing more of the carts being sold and then more people coming back to me like, man, I can't like thanking me like, dude, that's just such a great product. Thanks so much for designing and making it. And um, that was that was really cool. I think that was probably when I realized I did something good. Yeah. And it, I mean, you've defined a niche too. I mean, with within even within the product line, because I mean, it it is a premium. It's a premium piece of equipment. You know, this isn't this isn't. Um, I mean, it's got your utilitarian aspects that you have to have, and then it's got and then it's 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 got innovation tied into it. As simple as breaking it down and throwing it on a plane, and it's got the little wheels that you can cruise behind you going through an airport. I mean, something as small as that, which is actually huge to every small accessory and the brakes and everything. I mean, it is a new, it's defined a new line item for us to put on our budget list when we're talking about gear. And, um, it's, it's a line item we're happy to put on there. So I think it, it really has impacted the industry to a point where unless you really step back and look at it, you, you don't even realize yeah, I, I would I would actually say too, you know, one of the biggest um, hurdles that I had was the price point. Yeah. Right. Because um, especially at, in 2011 at the NAB show, I think we were pricing the product at around, I think like the the most expensive product that we had at the time, which was our Echo 48, was was under three thousand dollars. It was maybe twenty six hundred. Right. And our Scouts were around fourteen fifteen hundred. And we were doing that because we thought that's where it needed to be because, you know, to compete with anybody else in the market. Um, but that was before we really knew how much it cost to make them. You know, there's a whole thing that you don't really know, especially if you're not in manufacturing, you don't understand the whole under the, the back end of making a product and yeah. what it really legitimately costs to make it. Yeah. But, but it was also, you know, because of that, that big price difference, you know, from our product to, say a, a magliner or a Rubbermaid cart, right? Mm-hmm. Which again, I, I think are great products for what they do, uh, but they just, you know, they're not made for the transitioning of this digital era of cinematography and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and the biggest thing for us was to prove that a cart was a primary item. It was priority. It wasn't a secondary item anymore. And once we could convince people and show it on set and show how you can outfit these carts for your workstation, because at the end of the day, you're, you're sitting on a cart for 12 to 14 hours. And by the way, I keep saying that over and over. I don't know why. It's just stuck in my head. End of the day, I'll, I'll try not to use it for the rest of the podcast. Yeah, I'm okay with it. But, <laughs> but, but nonetheless, that was the hurdle. It was convincing people to buy something that was two, in some cases, three times more expensive than the competitor. Right. And it's still a problem, but you know, I but think what were you going to say? It's, it's a, it's a problem, but it's something that people, this is, this is the thing. And, and I think there's, there's more and more, um, companies and, and filmmakers that, that 
capture the same vision as, as we capture here at Ironclad. It's like, it's worth investing in the best. I mean, when you are on, you're never going to regret having the best workstation. You're never going to regret having the best equipment. I mean, when you're, when you're constantly pushing yourself and, and your team and you're in elements or you're in, you're in high stress situations, it's worth it. You know, it really is. And, and I think it defines the brand. I think, um, it defines the filmmaker. I mean, you, I'm not saying you have to have the best to become a filmmaker, but I'm saying when you are in a high stakes scenario, time is of the essence, budget is of the essence. And it's, and there is a lot of stress levels going on on set. You know what that's like? And yeah. especially for something like DIT or camera department, if, if, if anything goes awry there, it's trouble, man, you know, and it's, it, it is so worth it to me. Um, and I, and I know justifying it on the front end, a lot of times it, it is like, man, are you crazy spending this on this, you know, <laughs> on in that, but that can be on any product. And everybody was like that. You know, you look at some, what some people were paying for the cameras and the lenses and everything else, but it's worth it. You know, it really is. Yeah. And, and, and defining that market, um, I mean, if, if you would have said that there was a company that was going to double or triple the price of a cart before you guys were around, people wouldn't have believed it. But what you've brought to the table, I, I just I just think it's worth it. I, I really do. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I agree that it's um, once you use it, you know, it is it is a niche. I, I guess, you know, the entertainment market in itself is somewhat of a niche business because there's so many facets of the entertainment market, but the behind the scenes stuff, you know, the production side of it, it's such a niche thing, but it's also a very demanding thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, essentially everything that we use um, can be tested by us before it goes to the military. Cause right. we're, I feel like we're harder on our gear than the military potentially would be. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think part of the, the, the puzzle is, you know, when you have a great product and it and it stands the test of time, and it and then the design as well, you know, really nice. And there's accessories that are integrated into it. And at the end of the day, the brand plays such a huge part of that to make sure that it's a sexy brand, it's exclusive. You feel like you're buying the Porsche, right? right. And you know, we, there's I, I wouldn't say not so much these days, but in the past, I would say in the first maybe two three years of of our business, maybe the first four years. We would hear a lot, you know, the price point, but then it kind of slowly started to to fall off, and now it's not so much of a problem. Um, but I would always tell people, you know, it's like, look, if you can't if you can't buy it, it like you just said, it doesn't make or break you uh, in in terms of being a good cinematographer or not. But it's it's definitely going to make you more efficient, which at the end of the day, it does. Oh, shit. I wasn't going to say that, but I did. It's okay. But, it works. But, it works here. <laughs> but, but you know, it's, it's, it's a product that is going to make you more efficient. And if you're more efficient on set, your mind is free and clear to, to think creatively. Yeah. And you know, we're, you know, you grow up dreaming about the Porsche. I don't think people are dreaming about Toyota Camrys, you know, for their first, they're like, yeah, just, I want a Toyota Camry in black. Maybe so. I don't know. But I think the majority of people are thinking about the Porsche and the and the and the sexy, you know, sports car. Yeah. You know. I agree. So, and, and when you're competing yeah. at an elite level, I think in anything in in life, um, particularly in this industry, you know, everybody is good. Everybody brings something to the table. 
But if you have these little edges that get you further and further and make you excel that much more, it, it, it makes a difference when you're at this level of, of, of production, you know, and, um, that's really a game changer. And, and, and when you are working, whether it's a commercial or a film or a passion project, I mean, there really is high stakes and, uh, it says something when you roll up with the right gear and when you have that perception, um, it adds value to you and it adds value to your team and it, and it gives people a comfort, comfort level too. the, the powers that be a comfort level. I think just, just knowing that you've got your stuff together. Absolutely. Uh, I think a lot of people, um, can scoff at, co at costs and, and, and want, well, I can do this one for, for this and this for that. But when they're really in the trenches, it's when you, when, when something goes wrong is when you say, I'll pay anything to get out of this situation right now, you know, and <laughs> yeah, that's when you yeah. really realize what, what quality gear is all about. And, you know, there's, I'm not going to lie because uh, I, there, there have been times where our products have, you know, um, gotten into situations on set where you know, a piece is broken off and, and we've had times where we went through, you know, again, one of the dark times of, of our company was, you know, we had manufactured all these, these parts for the, for our wheel housing, which goes on the scout, which is this fully removable aluminum lightweight wheel system. Right. And the, the bearing housing that connects to the cart was defective. And we're a tiny company, right? Mm -hmm. We're not this massive corporation. We don't know how to deal with this. Like, what do you do? What's the first step? So the first thing we do, we, we tell all, of our, all the, the, the customers that have purchased the product, hey, send your wheels back and get them, uh, you know, get them upgraded to this new version, uh, which is not defective. And then you tell all the resellers, same thing. Hey, we don't know who the customers are um, that are buying it from you, but it's your, your responsibility to tell all the customers that purchased this product to send it back for an upgrade. So there was this dark time of like maybe six, seven months where wheels were breaking off of, of carts on set. Can you imagine this? I mean, Oof. you know, you got, you got $500,000 of camera gear and, and monitors, you know, sitting on a cart and the wheel falls off. So this was like, you know, this is the whole reason why we built the product so that stuff like this wouldn't happen. Yeah. You know, but that's when we realized that again, this was when I had just moved from, Pasadena, where we were doing a lot of this stuff in house, to moving away to offshore, like you know, outsourcing some of the, the 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 manufacturing. Right. So you go through these these ups and downs of, and again, you know, nothing can prepare you for that. You just have to be able to deal with it when it comes to you. And again, working in the entertainment business, I think prepared me a lot for being able to um, find solutions. There's always a solution, and. There's going to be a lot of pissed off people, and I get it. But if we can take care of them, we can make them feel good about it. And this is where the customer service comes in. You know, we all have been there in those circumstances where everybody's looking at you, waiting for you to get your your rig up and running because time is time's running out, the sun's going down, money's being spent. So it's it's our responsibility as a manufacturer to be there to support the the customer. Um, as absolutely as fast as we can, you know, you drop everything, <laughs> yeah. you know, you drop everything, you get this sorted out, you send a FedEx overnight, um, you deal with all this stuff later, but right now it's about this guy and getting him up to 110%. Yep. I think that's big, man. I think, uh, how a brand handles mistakes, you know, I think everyone makes mistakes, but how someone handles the mistake is really what defines, uh, 
you know, whether or not you want to do business with them. And, and um, yeah. I think that's a big thing. And that's another one of those things where sometimes the artist side doesn't handle it as well as the entrepreneur side. So I think that finding that balance is, is so important. Yeah, for sure. Is that, do you think that was probably one of the, the, the toughest challenges you faced since you started or, or what, what, what do you think like is probably the biggest obstacle you've hit um, where you've, where you've kind of come out on top of? Product wise. Yes. Um, definitely. That, that was really, really difficult. Um, and it's funny cause we still get guys or customers that, um, own this, this, this small batch of product that was defective and we still get calls from them, even though, you know, right. three years ago they were told to send them the product. Right. Um, but you know, you don't, you don't question that you just deal with it. Um, but yeah, that was tough. And, and in addition to the product side, there's always the cash side Yeah, man. and, and running out of cash and, um, you know, a lot of, I would say the majority of the industry probably thinks we're a rich company. We got, we make lots of money and our, our carts are overpriced. Our accessories are overpriced. And, um, and it's so not true. Um, we do our best to make sure that the brand is sexy and what you pay for is what you get. But at the end of the day, the company is not making really any money. And there's a number of carts we have to ship on a monthly basis with accessories to make it profitable, right? Right. And that hasn't, I mean, that's only recently happened for the first, I mean, it's just, cash is king. And if you don't have it, and if you're waiting for a reseller to pay you or, um, and things happen and they always happen. And again, you cannot prepare for any of this. You can do your best to plan for it, but there's always something that's going to go wrong. Um, and cash is, I would say number two on the list. Yeah. And Just I making sure that there's always money there to pay your employees first. And then two, to make sure that the products are going out the door and then three of the vendors. Yeah. I think, so, uh, that's an important lesson for everyone to hear that that's listening to this because you know, I think, you know, most of the demographic listening is, is either filmmakers, entrepreneurs, um, you know, or, or people that are, that are trying to build their brands and, and, and it applies for everything. And that, you know, that money lesson is something that is always going to be there. And, uh, I think it's, it's such a huge asset to hear. And in, in some of the other brands that we've, we've spoken with so far have, have, have had the same things. And it's just a part of growing and, and, and understanding the, the importance of, like you said, following through with what you say you're going to do and taking care of your people and focusing on getting the money coming and flowing. I mean, it's, it's, it's a constant battle. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's determination, you know, for sure. Cause, um, it's always going to be a problem. I yeah. think I, and you know, it's, it's, you, unfortunately money puts us in situations where you don't want to be put in that situation necessarily. Everybody's been there. Any, any, uh, you know, independent contractor that works in this business and any business, it's all about getting paid yeah. and you want to be the nice guy. For sure. You want to be the nice guy. You don't want to have to be the bad guy and talk about money. But sometimes it requires it because it's whether or not, you know, you're the guy that's working for you who has two kids at home and a wife is going to be able to buy food the next week. Yeah. So you got to fight for it. You have to do whatever it takes to make sure that, you know, money's coming in the door. 
Yeah, so that kind of leads me into you know when we when we start after we hear stories from people, I always like to get some takeaways and 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 you know because you've you've played both sides of the spectrum, um, in the industry and and now as as uh you know as an industry leader with the brand that that that's name is known and the product is great, but but still experiencing everything you experience on a day to day, you know this is a broad question, but you can take from your exam from your um, experiences. Uh, you can answer it. So, you know, for someone who is trying to succeed, whether it is that person who's doing their own thing and they're, maybe they're a DIT or, or, or a, a cinematographer, or maybe it's a, someone who's trying to be, uh, a startup inside the industry and break through the barriers and, and come up with new product or, or a production house, even what would you give them as far as advice goes to, um, to succeed? Hmm. I would say, um, each person that, that wants to do this is there's, there's, there's a right recipe, you know, and somebody that's not determined or motivated, um, will never get past those hard, dark times. Yeah. So you have to be the right individual and, and the, the right individual is somebody that's going to, um, you know, if you're absolutely in love with your product or what you do, um, it should come easy, right? It should determination and motivation should already be there because you're already building a product, right? You're, you're designing something. You want to be really good at what you do. So you already love it. And I think that, you know, if anything, it's, it's to, um, have, have like a, like a backbone, a foundation. And what I mean by that is have a friend, have a, have a mentor, have a wife, have a husband, that you can talk to about these as you're going through this process, you know, bounce things off people and, um, and specifically bounce things off, you know, talk about products with women because <laughs> men tend to look at a product and they go, I'm going to build this and I'm going to take out the competition. That's like in their head. I'm going to get <laughs> Those guys are going to be done. I'm going to get them out of the business. Right. Women will look at a product and they'll be like, yeah, this is, it's beautiful. I don't know what it does, but, uh, but it looks fantastic. And maybe you should change this to change this and consider these things, right? It's, it's, in my opinion, you get a lot more feedback, like real world feedback sometimes from women. Yeah. Um, so, so nonetheless, you know, have, have people that you can bounce things off of and don't be afraid, but have patience. Like patience is, I would say probably number one. Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to happen overnight, you know, and, and don't think it is because um, it takes time. There's going to be, there's going to be definitely, you know, hurdles ahead of you, um, but just take it as it comes, you know, enjoy yeah. it while you're doing it. That's good, man. That's good. What, what about on the, um, what, what's a life lesson on the entrepreneur side for, for, because I, like I said, I think that people, um, people sometimes they lose sight of the business behind their craft and, um, on a financial side and, and, a, and, a, and a, uh, money side, like, and I know we've already talked about this, but could you sum that up in a statement too? what you would tell someone, like I said, whether it is a cinematographer, someone with a, uh, a gaffer or, or a production house or, or a brand that's trying to, to, to keep pushing through. Mm. You mean in terms of just uh, you know, like getting it off the ground? 
Yeah, getting it off the ground, keeping the faith. I like. I think the insight you just had there was incredible. I, I think. I think that especially the articulation aspect of it, and 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 having someone to bounce it off of, and and those things. Because, like you said, I think uh, men do. They're they're. We're gonna take. I, I laugh because that's exactly the way I think. You know, but uh, but but. On 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 the part where the finances are, I think that people often over they get in over their head, um, or they get into trouble, or they want to invest in this piece, but they they're they're managing cash flow, and it's rare that we've had someone that's played both sides and 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 who has experienced both of those in the expansion of your company and everything else. So I, I'd love to hear on on uh, financial side. Um, some advice you have for someone who's growing in the industry, uh, whatever facet that is that they're growing in. Yeah. So, so there's a couple things actually. Um, I would say first, you know, when you, when you come up with a product, never base the, uh, what's the word I would say, never name the company based specifically off the product. So as many people know us innovative carts, right? I try so hard to get people to, to think of it more as innovative because innovative is a much broader spectrum, right? It means anything, innovative products, right? So, so the first thing is, you know, definitely consider when you're naming the company to, to think of it in longevity and how many different facets uh, further, like, you know, think about the future. Think about what other products can be generated from this one. Or where, where do I want to take this company? And I think that's kind of a key element to really know where you want to go. Um, and once you know where you want to go, then you can kind of build in there basically, you know, some, some projections uh, of where you think this product is going to take you and your company. And from that, I think you'll get people who will understand it and you'll, it'll be easier for you to get money uh, to, to make your, your project a reality and also to get people excited to help you with making that product a reality. Um, so I think you have to come into it, uh, again, patience is of course key, but again, you have to come into it with, you have to think, unfortunately, you gotta think further out than just this one thing. And, and nobody, I, I think, well actually, I take that back. There was my mentor, the guy that helped me in the very beginning. When I first started thinking about carts, I was only thinking about the one cart that I was building for my company at the time you know, had monitor arm systems and all this kind of stuff. It was this other guy that came to me and said, wow, this sounds like it could be in the industrial market. It could be in the medical market. It could be in the, the governmental market. You know, there's all these, these different industries that this product can apply to. And when you start thinking about things like that, you get really excited and you're like, oh man, this is going to blow up. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then, and then it really kind of um, molds your vision of where, your company is going to go. And if you have that from the get-go, that's going to, that's going to get you over those, those, um, those frustrating times where you're running out of money and you're, and, uh, you know, trying to make this product a reality because you have to pitch it all the time. You have to get people excited to do it for no money at times. Um, so build that, build that vision in the beginning. I love it, man. That's great. You know, I, I love hearing that. And I think it's so important for people to hear because they see a polished brand that's been 
well curated. It's been had a lot of sacrifice and, and sweat put into it. And they see that, the, that, that front side of it, but they don't see the, the back side of it. And I think it's so important to educate people and inspire people that way. Um, you know, it's something I really believe in and, and we believe in here at Iron Gladys. Uh, the entrepreneurship side of, of the industry is just as important as the artistic side. And um, without that, you can't drive it, you know. And um, I, 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 love, I love hearing stories of people that can, can juggle those and have learned lessons the hard way that they can share with people. Yeah. And definitely don't, uh, you know, if, the, if, if you build a product and you're very excited about it, and you find that maybe five out of 10 people like it and the other five don't, um, it doesn't mean that product's not going to be a success. Right. And don't, don't give up on it just because, you know, somebody said they didn't like it. I mean, it's, it's just one of those things, you know, it takes time. Again, that comes back to the patience thing. You can't expect, I mean, it happens. Things do blow up overnight, you know, and, and people become, you know, overnight successes. But, but I don't think that's for everybody. And, and, it's, and it doesn't happen very often. So don't get, you know, don't let your soul get crushed if it doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, just keep pushing along. You know, that's, that's the reason why not everybody does it because they can't, you know, they're not patient. They think, you know, they're figuring out how am I going to pay my rent this month? You'll make it happen. If you're, if you're in love with your product and you stand by it, you'll, you'll find a way to make it happen. That's great, man. If it was easy, everybody do it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, man. I mean, you, you killed it. This has been super inspiring. I, I love hearing the story. Once again, everyone here at Ironclad is, is, is huge fans of innovative and, and everything you guys are doing. Can't wait to see what, what's next with you. And, uh, hopefully we can collaborate in the future and, and we'll continue to, to push our carts to the limit and let you know what, uh, what works and doesn't work so far. Everything's worked for us. So that's good. Yeah, that is good. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. And for everyone out there who's listening, you know, check out Innovative. I mean, truly, truly an awesome brand and, and really have made a difference in, in our production life and, and everybody else who I know who's using their product is, has just been an awesome piece and awesome tool to have on set. Um, their Instagrams at Innovative, their Facebook's Innovative, and, um, you can just check them out and, and continue. Pat, is there anything that you want anyone to know? Um, I don't know. I mean, anything to look we out for? On everything? Well, we, we definitely have some exciting products coming out. I mean, we're, we're, we're uh, developing some power solutions for the carts, um, doing some integrated power stuff. I think, uh, That's I, think NA, I think NAB in 2018 is going to be a huge show for us. At least we plan on it to be. And um, But there's, you know, again, going back to the whole vision thing, I mean, we have this – we have products out in 2020, 2021 that I think are going to be massive, uh, you know, changers in the market and awesome. in terms of efficiency of working on set. So I think that, you know, I don't know, we're, we're here to stay for sure. And, um, you know, anybody has any feedback about using the product or something they want to see us do, by all means, talk to us, send us an email, give us a call. Uh, we're friendly people, so yeah. nice. When I, I when I'm out in LA uh, in the next month or so, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a call. I wanna I wanna see your facility, check you guys out. Absolutely, you're more than happy to come by. Cool, man. Well, well, Pat, man, we appreciate your time. It's been great. I think we I think we went for 45, 50 minutes or so. Um, it flew by. It was awesome. So uh, yeah, man, thanks so much. 
Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Ironclad Podcast. Make sure that you subscribe on iTunes. Make sure that you leave us a review, any questions that you may have. Also, follow us on Instagram at This Is Ironclad and also our website, thisisironclad.com.